Hey everybody, how you doing? Long time no see, right? Where have I been? You know, moving. Past five days I've been moving. Uh, when our new house is only like 1,100 square feet, well, it's like close to 1,200. It's not huge, but it's not like tiny, right? But it's half the size of the house that we were living in, which was like 2,500 square feet. So we're kind of adjusting to the space. Well, Brandy happens to be out today at work at her basically main location headquarters um, away from home. So I am coming to you from my bedroom right now, or my office, and we are going to do Endangering the Grave from here. So Asher is currently in bed. He's not taking a nap, but I put him in there to take a nap. But I'm on the other side of the house, so if he's screaming and not wanting to go to sleep, I don't care. <laughs> I do care, obviously, if, if I hear something that sounds out of the ordinary, but him just saying, just being like, I don't want to go to sleep. I don't care. You're going to sleep. That's the way it is. So let's talk about today about the Proto-Evangelium. And you're probably thinking, oh, Genesis 3, here we go. I don't want to listen to this. Wrong. Genesis 2, Proto-Evangelium and Genesis 2. And you're like, well, that doesn't make sense because that's not where that is first mentioned. So let's talk about what is the Proto-Evangelium. First of all, the Proto-Evangelium is supposedly the first time that a prophecy about the coming Christ is mentioned. I beg to differ. It's not Genesis 3. I believe it's Genesis 2, verse 17. So you can go read it now, but you probably won't pick up on it until I explain it to you. So here we go. I've got my handy-dandy 200-page five ring binder notebook or whatever it's called with my notes in it and this is like okay my notes are up to like here <laughs> you probably can't see that but this is the back half of the notebook this is the front half this is where my notes are for today so i go through notebooks real quick right so let's talk about this i'm going to give you this word it's real good so please pay attention to it and then I'm going to give you the prophetic word. So this word shouldn't take too long. It depends on how much I want to talk to you. And I haven't talked to you in a long time, so I've got a lot to say. So it could be a minute. <laughs> so go ahead and fast forward for like, you know, a half an hour in advance. If you're watching this on YouTube and you're not watching it live, okay? And you can get to the prophetic words if that's what you want. All right? So the Proto-Evangelium, like I said, they believe it's Genesis 3. And it's when they're talking about the serpent will be at enmity with the offspring of the woman and the offspring of the woman or the seed of the woman which interesting we didn't think that women had seed right they have eggs men have the seed right so isn't that weird but anyway <laughs> um the offspring of the the woman or seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent and they believe that that's referring to jesus which it is but that's not the first instance that jesus is mentioned so this morning while I was in my prayer time, I did the same thing I always do. Lord, what can I teach that's going to impact people and make a difference in their lives? And when you get to the like the final message of this, you're going to understand why this is going to impact your life. So we're going to have to go to Genesis 2.15 to start where it says, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to dress it and keep it. That's Genesis 2.15. Okay? And now this is talking about like, I'm like, okay, so at first glance, I'm reading this, and I'm like, so this is talking about Jesus, um, or God, putting Adam into the garden to be a farmer. Yeah, that sounds like him being just like God, right? God's a farmer, right? You know, interestingly, when I was a young child, probably about 10 or 11 years old, 
I used to watch the show Dragon Ball Z, and this is back when, it was still back when, like, Raditz and Vegeta and Nappa were showing up. I don't watch that show anymore. I believe it's demonic, to be honest. Uh, and <laughs> you don't have to agree with me. I, I don't care. But I don't watch those shows anymore because I've noticed that there's some bad spirits that come in with anime. So I don't even watch any of it. All right. But I had a dream that Nappa, which means it's a, like a type of cabbage, was a farmer. And he was huge and giant. And I was like, he's so big. He was bigger than anything I'd ever seen. And these children were flying around him, like, like you know, Saiyans do, I guess, in the show. And they were throwing rocks at him and spitting at him and all this stuff. And he was crying. And I was flying around with all those kids spitting and throwing rocks and having fun. But I looked and I saw he was crying and I was moved. My heart was moved. I felt sad for him. And I stopped and I said, you are so big and so powerful. You could crush every single one of these children. Why are you crying and acting like a baby? And he said, because my children don't love me. And I didn't understand that when I woke up almost 30 years ago, right? I didn't get it. A giant farmer crying as his children flew around him, throwing stones at him and stuff. He said, my children don't love me. That was God, guys. God is a farmer. Jesus constantly refers to the sower sowing seed. He says, the kingdom is like, and he throws out the seed and it grows up the good mixed with the weed, right? And so we get the idea that God is a farmer. And so God was hurt because his children didn't love him. And they were basically throwing stones and accusing God of things because Jesus said that he who is without sin cast the first stone, okay? So that was when I was like 10 or 11 years old, I had that dream. So what does that have to do with this, the garden? It is like being like God to be put in the garden to be the keeper. However, I started to investigate this word in this passage to find out what was being said and what the word that's used here for tend is actually la abeda or la, la abda. And it implies to be a slave or to work as a servant. Now, you're probably thinking this is something like, you know, today's slaves, there are slaves out there still that um, are forced to do labor. There are slaves out there that are forced to be sex slaves. There are all kinds of different slaves out there forced to work in sweatshops and all kinds of things, okay? And the conditions are grueling and harsh and just as bad as they were. Or if you're an American, you think of a slave as being, um, you know, a black person who's being beaten and whipped and all this stuff. But the Hebrew mindset of a slave wasn't like that. God had actually had slaves and he considered them servants and family like he does for us. In fact, we are called slaves of righteousness by Paul, which means that we don't have a right to our own will or choice, but we're supposed to submit to God, but in a loving way. Well, in the Hebrew mindset, slaves would be treated like family. They were indentured servants. They owed um, their master, but they were told in the law of Moses not to treat them harshly or roughly. And if they injured a servant, the servant gets to go free and or their debt is paid or whatever. You know, if they took an eye or beat them too hard or something like, you know, and it's, it's silly that they should even be allowed to beat them um, according to the law, but the laws were set up so that they would be treated properly. And so one of the things that um, the law is set up to protect a slave against a harsh owner in the Bible. And one of the things that was part of the law was on the seventh year, which we call the sabbatical, basically, if the person had worked for six years on the seventh year, you're set free, no matter what, no matter how much debt the master thought that you had to work for to pay off or whatever, you're free, your debt's paid at this on the seventh year, the sabbatical, right? 
Um, so at that point, the servant had a choice. Do they want to go and be free, which most people you would think, yeah, of course they want to be free. Why wouldn't they want to be free? Because they were treated like family, because they had it good, because they were fed and clothed and, and invited to the tables and the feasts and promised children and so forth. You know, they were treated like part of the family. So if the servant or slave had the... Um, loved the master and wanted to stay, they would take an awl and pierce their ear and, and leave something in their ear to show that they had chosen to remain a servant for this family because they loved them so much, okay? And so that that's like, I find that interesting because Jesus did the same thing. Instead of um, having his ear pierced, he was pierced in the ribs and pierced through his hands and feet. He was like, don't just, it's not enough to take my ear pierced my whole body. I mean, Jesus was beaten so bad that his skin was hanging off of his legs and his back. I've seen this in, in visions, and sometimes um, I'm not sure if the vision is like I'm there because it feels so real, but I've seen his skin hanging down in visions, and it's literally like how my shirt collar is hanging down like this. His skin was hanging off of him like that. That's how bad he was beaten. It wasn't good, all right? It wasn't pleasant. And, and I just find it interesting that when it comes to God's covenant, when he says... <laughs> Jesus became a servant to everybody and he laid down his life and was pierced for us to say, I will serve you forever. For, okay, well, getting back on track here. So the next word that I thought was interesting, the first word was that he was going to be a keeper to observe or to tend to something. But what is he going to attend to? Well, the word for keep is yule samira and it means to keep or tend and it's used 369 times mostly it's used to refer to keeping a covenant, a promise, or somebody's word in some way, shape, or form. So what did Adam get put in the garden to do? We're like, oh, he was there to just grow flowers and food and take care of God's garden as a servant, a worker. He was there to tend to God's covenant in the garden. That's why he put them there. That's why they use the word yule samera. And it means to tend to or observe God's covenant and commandments. Well, then that indicates that there was a covenant of some sort, right? Well, what was the covenant? Well, then you have to go to verse 17. Again, this is Genesis 2, verses 15 through 17. I didn't cover 16. I should go and look back at that. There's probably even more divine revelation in there. But in verse 17, we get told that God says, you can eat from any of the trees in the garden, but you don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you do, on that day, you will surely die. Well, I read that and, you know, people people say, well, <clears throat> why didn't Adam die? And what does that mean? Well, I was looking at that and I found this very interesting because when I was doing the whole thing about the sons of God and, and the Antichrist and who the Antichrist is and what they're going to look like and how the Antichrist has multiple faces, as we see in Daniel 9, it says he's a man of fierce features. Well, the Hebrew word says that he's a man of many faces in Hebrew. And then it talks about in Revelation 2 how one of his heads is slain. Well, if you have more than one head, are you not a person of many faces? Well, that's just me, though. I'm not going to go there. Okay, so we have the covenant, which is eat anything you want here. And so what happens here? Let, let's take a look. How do we know that, first of all, this is a prophecy? This is the Proto-Evangelium, not Genesis 3. This is a Proto-Evangelium. And because we use the word Bayom, he says, in that day, Bayom. Now, if you pay attention... When you, and, and I do observe, or, or I, I get very heavily into eschatology at times, and you can go back and look at our videos, especially the Sons of God stuff. That's 
real deep stuff that's in the Bible that people don't want to hear about the origin of demons and, and so just get off that case. Okay. But Bayom is used to mean in that day, and it's usually typically used to refer to when the day of the Lord is coming, or it's referring to something that is going to be a future event. So this one means Bayom, which is you have to look at the the scripture and see the proper context that it's used. So this one, Bayom, is referring to a future event. How do I know it's a future event? It means um, on that day, which means when this happens. So what God is literally saying is, when this happens, you will surely die. Well, God was prophesying to Adam right there. He said, Bayom, on that day, when this happens. And then he said something that I thought was incredibly interesting. He said, Bayom Muthamuth. Which I thought was funny because in Hebrew, it's, it's uh, death, death, right? There's a first death and a second death, and we're about to get to that in a second here. But muth to muth in, Hebrew, in English sounds like mouth to mouth, right? <laughs> like you're going to need resuscitation. Well, I just find that to be an extremely funny coincidence, and I don't believe that there's coincidences because there was no word for coincidence in the original Aramaic that the Bible was written in, that Genesis was written in, when Moses received Genesis through uh, what? Through Numbers? It, that There was no word for coincidence. There are no coincidences. It happened on purpose. So that's just a little hidden message for us in English to say mouth-to-mouth, -mouth, meaning that when you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you are going to need cardiopulmonary resuscitation because you are going to die. Are you going to die immediately from sinning? No, but you will die, first of all, a spiritual death, and then secondly, you'll get thrown into hell, which is the second death. But listen, Bayom indicates something that's going to come, so this is a prophecy. Muth means death, so why would God say death, 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 death? Well, I had to ask God that too. I was like, what's the difference? What's the difference? It's the same word. It's not the same word. The first one is spelled however it's spelled. I don't know how to spell it in Hebrew. The second one starts with a tav. The tav is silent. So even though it's pronounced the same, the tav becomes silent. So it's the, it's the same word. It's pronounced the same. It's a homonym, but it's spelled different but it has the same meaning, like a murder and a murder or, you know, whatever. Maybe it's not necessarily a homonym. It's a word that's the same thing means a different thing, but this means the same thing. It's just spelled differently. Um, whatever you call that, a synonym, I guess. I don't know. It's like a synonymously, a homonymously. Just making crap up here. Um, anyway, listen to this. I want to give you this revelation because I got this when I was telling my wife this. Um, who was God talking to in covenant with in the first place? Or who was who was making a covenant with Adam? It was God. Well, who all was there? Because everyone thinks in Genesis, oh, it was only God, right? But yet they use the word Elohim, plural. I am at the end of a Hebrew word makes it plural, right? So all three of them were there. Well, listen to this. I was asking, talking to my wife this morning about this, about five o'clock in the morning, she got up so she could pray and do her Bible study and stuff before she had to go to work. And because um, let me tell you what, when you do that, it's going to change your day. I promise you it will change your day. And as I was telling her what the Lord showed me is what I'm revealing to you is that when God speaks, Jesus said, I only speak what I hear the Father speak. Oh, that's interesting, Jesus. That's real interesting. Huh? Because you're the word of God. So when God speaks, you only speak what you spoke. <laughs> Isn't that funny? 
he's like, I only speak the words that I hear the Father speak, but everything I speak is the word of God. So homographs, that's, that sounds good. <laughs> um, so every time Jesus spoke, he heard himself. He heard God the Father. Now listen to this. This is how intertwined and inseparable God the Father and the Holy Spirit are. Jesus said, my words, now he's the word of God, so he's saying my words or myself, I am. He's saying my words are spirit and life. Well, the word for spirit in Aramaic that he would have used is ruach. My words are ruach. So when you speak a word out of your mouth, Ruach means wind, breath, or spirit in Hebrew. So when you speak a word out of your mouth, you are speaking from a Ruach. It can be the Ruach of the flesh, the Ruach of the demons or the enemy, or the Ruach of God. Isn't that interesting? So when he said, my words, my words are spirit and life. He's saying, I'm spirit and life. My words are spirit and life. What comes out of my mouth is the word of God. It's the breath of God. It's the breath of heaven. And I just thought that that was the coolest thing that every word that I speak, when I'm speaking Jesus, life is coming out of my mouth. When I'm speaking the gospel or quoting what Jesus said in the gospel, spirit and life is coming out of my mouth. I am speaking directly from the spirit of God. His ruach is coming from my mouth. The fact that I have words indicates that there is ruach or breath in my lungs. So there is spirit there is Ruach in my lungs, and it is allowing me to live, to breathe. And like I said in the last message, our words are the encapsulation of our intention, our mind, our will, and our emotion. So our word encapsulates and manifests what we believe, think, and want as a human being. And we manifest it into this realm. Isn't that awesome? Well, I thought that was really cool. So when God said to Adam in the garden... Don't eat from this tree, and when you do, you're going to die. He made a covenant with him. <laughs> he made a covenant. When he spoke, the words that came out of his mouth were Jesus. And the words that make up Jesus were spirit, were the Holy Spirit. So when the Father speaks, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are always present. So Jesus coming down from heaven and manifesting as the Son of God, Jesus didn't disappear because the Lord still spoke. Which is like, it just goes around. Like, you think about that, how interesting God is. Because God spoke and said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. He spoke. Everyone heard him. Well, Jesus is the word of God. Made manifest. So when he spoke, they heard Jesus. They heard God. They heard Jesus. They heard Jesus testifying about himself. <laughs> they heard God testifying about himself. They heard the Holy Spirit testifying about himself. So cool. Man, I got to get back on track here. I could go on about this, man. All words are ruach, spirit, or breath in some way. So be careful what spirit you're speaking from. Remember Jesus said, and I think it's Luke, he said to his disciples, they said, hey, they didn't receive you, Jesus. Let's burn this sucker to the ground and kill every one of them, right? Let's do this Elijah style. And Jesus turned around and he's like, stupid, you're stupid. <laughs> Obviously, he didn't say stupid, right? But he's like, you're so ignorant. You don't know what spirit you're speaking from. What spirit they were speaking from. Eh, 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 eh. But anyway, God said, in that day, you shall surely die. He used the word muth, tamuth. Okay, but it would be pronounced muth, 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 which sounds funny. Muth, muth. It's like you can't say the word moose. You've got a lisp. Did you see those mooses coming across the road over there? <laughs> 
So, in that day you shall surely die. So, investigating the word muth and then tamuth, I noticed that, first of all, I was like, what does this represent? He said, the first death, the second death. And I was like, oh, Revelations 21.8, the second death, when everybody's cast into hell. That was a fornicator, liar, drunkard, witch, whatever. Um, all this stuff. Plus, P.S., by the way, um, the Greek word for fornication in the Bible is porn. So don't watch porn if you want to go to heaven. I'm just saying, I'm not judging you if you're involved with that. The sad statistic is that 88% of men, Christian men, watch porn. 60% of women watch it also. I'm just saying this because there needs to be a, a divine conviction because porn is in the Bible. It's fornication. So don't watch it. All right. Get free from it. It's a demon. All right. Literally, the word for fornication and adultery, it comes from the root word porn, pornea, pornos, um, and so forth. Okay. So investigating the word tamuth and muth, this means to die and then the death. So when he says you will surely die, he says you will die the death. Isn't that interesting? You will die the death. Okay, so the tov at the beginning of the word, or tav at the beginning of the word of muth the second time, is interesting because the tav, and I'm going off of what I know, I'm not even looking at my notes, so if I repeat myself, I'm sorry, but the tav is a cross, literally looks like this. It comes from, it's a Proto-Aramaic, Proto-Egyptian, or Proto-Sumerian. It was all pretty much the same at that point. And the Tav was an X, which represented a signature or cross sticks. It was a crucifix. It was a crucifix. You dig? You understand what I'm saying here? Okay, so this was talking about Jesus. The second death had the crucifix at the beginning of the word. It showed that the crucifix overcame the second death. This is the real Proto-Evangelium right here. This is the real Proto-Evangelium. So this is what Jesus was talking about in Revelation 21, 8, when he said the second death, they will suffer the second death. They'll be thrown into the lake of fire, which is the second death. So where is Jesus in this? Like I said, Tamuth starts with the Tov. Let's break down what the Tov represents in Hebrew. I'm coming at you Perry Stone style right now, who's only eight miles down the road from me. I Googled it, okay? <laughs> Where is Jesus in this Tov? The last letter in the Hebrew alphabet is the Tov. Now that's the first letter in the word. So that represents both the beginning and the end of death. The beginning of death started with Adam and it ended with Adam. So that's the Tov which is the last letter, the 22nd letter. 22 represents a multitude of blessings or cursings. So there was cursing, which was reversed, which became blessing through Jesus Christ. The first letter of the word Tav represents the cross, as we covered. As a prefix, it means the. And then we see Adam's sin resulted in a crucifixion, the cross. The letter represents a seal or mark of God, his binding covenantal word, completion, government and authority, the end of or a high prophecy. Get that. I'm not making this up. A high prophecy. That is the Proto-Evangelium, folks. Not Genesis 3. It, that is it. Genesis 2.17. When he used the first death and the second death, that's what Jesus was referencing when he said they will suffer, that that's the second death. He said, that's the second death. He was going all the way back to the beginning all the way back to the beginning where death started in the garden and said, this is the second death. This is the Tammuth. That's This is what I get when I wake up and I pray 
from one in the morning until actually I think I prayed for like nine or ten hours before I even started doing this. And I'm not saying that to brag. I can't stop praying. And we shouldn't stop praying because it says in the Bible to pray unceasingly. We need to keep praying. I don't always pray. You're like, you're not going to see me walking around all day going, I'm not going to do that all day because then I'm going to look like an idiot and nobody's going to want to talk to me, okay? But God can hear me praying in tongues in my head or sometimes I just walk around Walmart and go, Especially if you have to wear one of those stupid face masks, which I live in Tennessee, so it's not really, it's not required in Tennessee. And um, since the masks have been required, I haven't worn them. <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> I'll wear it if they force me to, but I haven't had an issue except trying to go into Target where they're like, you need to wear a mask. And I was like, well, you need to find somebody else to buy your crap because <laughs> it ain't going to be me. Sorry, see ya. Um, and that's the same reason TJ Maxx like lost some of my business too. Anyway, moving on. Uh, people, people who say, why didn't Adam die when God said when he eats from that fruit that he's going to die? So let's go, let's go a little bit deeper. Did he not die? Did he not die on that first day? Because I'm pretty sure he did. And here's why. Jesus and Paul both teach us that our sins had us dead spiritually. So he died that first death for Adam. He Adam died three deaths. He died three deaths. He was spiritually dead when he ate that. He was spiritually dead. Now he was in just flesh. He lost all of his glory. He he no longer resembled God exactly like he did. And he started he was gonna start to fade. And now here's the thing: Adam was a candle that was burning out. So when he when he was sent down to earth, even though he was covered in the garment and stuff, he left God's presence. Now, when Adam left, when Moses left God's presence, he glowed for days. He glowed. When Jesse Duplantis came back from heaven, he glowed for quite a while afterwards. He was literally glowing. Kevin Zadai, when he gets to preaching, I saw his angel come up and walk behind him. And it's just, he's like fire. He's like red fire. He's all clear fire. He's like this, I don't know, a lot of colors. He's about a foot taller than him. He's like seven foot something, eight foot something. Kevin Zadai is like six foot something. And then Kevin Zadai lit up from just from that. So understand this, that when Adam fell, he didn't just go right to being us, where we're not really radiating the light of God. He went from bright to dimming, to dimmer, dimmer, dimmer. And so the days got darker. And that's really kind of what happens here. So Jesus and Paul teach us we're spiritually dead. Um, he didn't die physically, but he did die spiritually. And then he he kind of faded off, okay? Then he had his physical death, his actual physical death a thousand years later, which Peter says, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. Well, Adam only lived to be what? 969 years old? He didn't live a full day. In God's time, he didn't live a full day, okay? And then he also had, um, if he had suffered, uh, didn't go to heaven, and he was coming back and he got cast into the lake, then that would be the second death also. So if he didn't, if he didn't go back to the um, second death, if he didn't get thrown into the lake of fire, he didn't have to suffer that second death. So he died twice, a spiritual death and then a physical death. Whereas if he had not accepted Jesus when, or, or got taken out of, um, out of hell when Jesus came out of hell and he was judged and sent into the ring of fire, then he would have a third death. So I don't think that that's the case. So why is this important? Why is it important that God covenanted and, and provided us with the proto-evangelium in Genesis 2.17? Why is it important that God covenanted 
with man. Why? Because it, what is a covenant? You have to understand this. What is a covenant? A covenant is a promise, okay? It's a promise of a blessing. You're going to receive something good from it. I looked up what are the legal benefits of a covenant in today's society. <laughs> uh, what is the benefit of the covenant? So I looked this up on Google. I Googled it. Um, and it said a real covenant describes a landowner's right to enforce the promises of the covenant. So we are under the new covenant as Christians right now. We're under the new covenant, which means we have a legal right to enforce God's promises in our life. That is what Adam had when he was on earth, when he was still not fallen and was still operating in the spirit realm, as Job says, when the sons of God sang with the angels. That, well, the sons of God, that was Adam and Eve. How do I know that? Luke 3.35, it says, Adam, the son of God. Hello, Adam, the son of God. Well, who was Adam? Adam and Eve were Adam until Genesis 3. God referred to Adam and Eve as Adam until Genesis 3. God did not call Eve female. Adam did. God did not call Eve Eve. Adam did. Adam did. In God's eyes, they were male. He called them man. They were both called Adam, which is what we will be called when we get to heaven, if you can receive that, because we go four levels above what we are now, where we're not male or female anymore. We're, we're God again. Do you understand what I'm saying? We are the image of God. We're like, it's like someone takes a picture of you and, and makes like this lifelike replica of you or something, or makes this 3D holographic model. It's the spitting image of you, right? That's what we're going back to. We're going beyond just being male and female, but beyond that, into the God nature that we were called to. So we have these covenantal promises that are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. We have a right, we have a legal right to receive the benefit of these promises. What are these promises? Divine health, healing, casting out demons, speaking in tongues, prophesying, prophesying, giving words of wisdom, words of knowledge, dream interpretation, whatever. Dream interpretation is operating in all the gifts, by the way. That's what I believe. So just get a hold of this, right? Like, I had a dream. God told me that my purpose, or what one of the things that I'm supposed to be doing, is convincing the church to get on board with the move of God. Why should I have to convince the church to go and do what God told us to do? So... I find that just interesting. You know, I find that like, huh, why do I have to do that? And God said, because people just don't want to do it until they see it happen. But you're not going to see it happen until you start to do it. Come on. Let me get a drink. I'm getting a little heated here. I better cool down. I need some water to put this fire out. <laughs> I'm not going to quench the Holy Spirit, I promise you. Come on, just open. Oh, yeah, that's good. Okay. Uh, that was pretty unprofessional, I suppose, right? I would hear about that from somebody. <clears throat> when I was first learning how to do camera stuff, I was working with a, a minister who's, she's been in ministry for a long time, 30 years or so. And um, <laughs> I would sit like this, slouching like this. I would roll up my sleeves and, or like, and just have them loose and sloppy. I wanted to wear the same shirt twice once. And she was like, you can't wear the same shirt on TV. Huh. I'm like, I can't afford to not wear the same shirt on TV. I mean, I have one, two, three, four, five, six. I have seven shirts, okay? Anyway. <laughs> uh, 
So the benefits of the covenant, we covered that. God covenanted with Adam in the garden when he placed him in the garden so that he could give blessing to Adam so that he could bless him. He made a covenant promise with him. But along with a covenant comes, if you break this covenant, there's going to be repercussions or consequences. So when you receive a covenant, there's a blessing and then there's a curse. All right. All that God wants for us is to love him. He just wants us to love him. And in doing that, love our neighbors like we love him, love our, ourselves like we love him. And it, what does Jesus say? All of the laws of the prophets, the commandments and everything hang on these, these two things. Love the Lord your God as yourself and love your neighbor as you love yourself or however that says. Um, so we're under a new covenant with God. We have legal rights to God's promises and benefits. After all, Paul says we are now co-heirs with Christ. Well, Jesus Christ is a co-heir. He's alive in heaven. So we have a living uh, a living inheritance that comes to us. It's not just through children. We have a living inheritance. Everything that Jesus has access to at his behest in heaven is ours to access as well. We have a legal right to yank it down. So in the scripture, when Jesus says, until now the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and indeed the violent take it by force. That is a spiritual warfare passage. It is a spiritual warfare passage because it is referring to when a person goes to war and they conquer a city and they go in and they kill everybody and they take the plunders, they take the silver, the gold, the clothes, the food, everything. And then they make it theirs. So that is a spiritual warfare and victory spiritual warfare verse that lets you know that you have a right to take what is yours in heaven, yank it down from the supernatural realm into your life, and make it manifest as yours. So, that's the message for right now. Let's get into the prophecy, okay? I'm pumped up. I'm going to probably have to go pray for another two or three hours and clean the house. <laughs> we live in a kind of a small house right now, so living in a small house, a small mess becomes a big problem, you know? You got to clean it constantly. All right. So I had a dream last night, short to the point, nothing in it, no people in it. There was a Mount St. Augustine, um, uh, yeah, Mount St. Augustine, it erupted um, in Alaska or the Aleutian Islands or something like that. I didn't even know if it existed. I woke up and I had to Google it. I had no idea. I had no idea what it meant. Um, but I think that, that we're going to see that happen. And what I was praying and I asked the Lord and he said, we're going to see a series of Mount Saints start to erupt and it's going to show that the Christian church or the body of Christ is going to start to erupt or blow the top off of things and start coming out and doing the things and manifesting in the strong, powerful, explosive, dunamis power. Dunamis in Greek is where we get the word dynamite. Now, in English, it's the explosive, powerful power of God, you know? Um, so, Basically, what I got to tell you is stop waiting. Just go out and look at somebody and prophesy to them. You don't have to be like, you don't have to go to like every person. Just if Holy Spirit lays it on your heart to talk to somebody. Let's say you're up and you're talking to your cashier or you're talking to your waitress, right? You got an opportunity. They can't just walk away from you without taking your order. You have an opportunity. Just say, hey, you want to hear something really cool? I was reading my Bible today, and I, I read this, and I just wanted to tell you that I just felt like this was going to give you hope. Hey, you're going to have a great day. God loves you. That's all you have to say. That's all you have to say. For all you know, they may be like, thank you so much. I needed that. And when you do that, 
you will get words of knowledge when you do that. I look at someone and, and I'll be like, what do you want me to say to him, God? And all of a sudden I start talking and I have no idea what I'm saying. And they're looking at me and they're crying, you know? So just, just do it. Just step out in faith. A lot of times when you step out on faith, they ask Smith Wigglesworth, what do you do when you go to a church and the spirit of God isn't moving? Or what do you do when you pray for somebody and you don't have a gift to, to do what needs to be done? He said, when the spirit doesn't move, I move the spirit. When you try and back God into a corner, he jumps. He's going to jump out of that corner. He's going to jump out through you and he's going to manifest. The reason that we see manifestations is because it testifies about the validity of the message of Jesus Christ. So when it says the spirit of pro- the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, it's not just saying that when you speak about Jesus, you're prophesying. That's true. But when you also see the Holy Spirit testifying by manifesting or venereo, venereo, not venereo, fa, P-H, venereo, um, when you see the Holy Spirit manifesting, which is what it says manifesting in 1 Corinthians 12, it, it means that he's testifying that what you're saying is true and you are approved. Like Paul says, some of you are, are this and some of you are that. And he said, and some of you are operating in the gifts while others are not. And he said, good, because then I know which of you is approved by the Spirit of God. So that's just something for you to think about. Start manifesting. Start manifesting. Don't just be like, oh, did you go to that church? Did you see that that person start manifesting the devil? Look someone in the eye and say, I'm fixing to manifest right now. Oh, okay. Let's get back on course. So when Donald Trump comes back into office, he's going to impose very harsh restrictions. What the Holy Spirit told me was on China specifically, but on other nations as well. Um, I can't tell you which, he told me not to tell you which nations uh, just now, but I have it written down. I have it written down, but I can't say it. <laughs> but I showed it to you. <laughs> I hope God doesn't smack me in the face for that. <laughs> He's probably over there laughing and doing this thing. <laughs> okay, so he's going to impose heavy restrictions on China, different parts of the Middle East, and different European countries. And this will result in a weakening of China specifically, which will e- e- turn into... A, an uprising in China, which will cause the downfall of communism. And you're going to see uh, China open up to the world and to America and to Christians. And we are going to go in there and we are going to evangelize the ever-loving heck out of them. All right? All of the heck. It's going to go. <laughs> All right. So um, Queen Elizabeth II is going to pass away very soon. I don't know how soon. He didn't say. But what he said was that when she dies, an end, there will be an end of an era and old rulers of the world will make way for the new rulers. So this is going to be a culmination of things that are going to come to pass. Um, he said that contention will rise over the monarchy and uh, scandal in the royal family will be revealed after Queen Elizabeth II passes. Um, there will be a startling expose that will emerge leading to indictments and criminal charges against the royal family, certain members of the royal family, which will result in a change of succession in the royal family. So some real crazy stuff is going to happen, apparently. I don't know what. I'm just telling you that's what Holy Spirit told me, that there will be a change of succession. He did say that Charles would be king, but it would only be for a short period of time and that Charles will not uphold his oath 
that he is going to take to serve the people and to protect what he was placed there to do by God, okay? Now, uh, Holy Spirit told me that we were going to see start coming up in the news. Um, they're going to start using the word incumbent president and referring to Biden, number 46, as the incumbent president. But God said, make no mistake, the incumbent president is now and always has been number 45, Donald Trump. Um, Donald Trump. <laughs> Donald Trump. I'm saying it. If I get kicked off of YouTube, you know where to find me. FiresideGrace.com or facebook.com backslash fireside grace but if i get kicked off of youtube i'm probably gonna get kicked off of facebook just saying um in which case i will upload these videos directly to our website which my wife has been wanting me to do for a while <laughs> that's all i have to say about that okay so now they're gonna start talking about the incumbent president in news reports as they're talking about the evidence that's coming up about Stuff that went on with the chicanery, the shenanigans of 11.3. I can't say that word because if I do, I've already got an active strike on YouTube and had three videos removed for saying that word, VF, if you know what I mean. So don't say that word, America, free speech, yeah. I just had to stop myself from making an obscene hand gesture there just now. A little bit of New Yorker coming out of me. <laughs> okay, so... We're gonna, they're going to start saying this as serious threats to his position surface as multiple audits are performed in the coming weeks in multiple states and even states that weren't swing states that were contested. It's going to be even states that were blue that nobody thought made a difference. We're going to see all 50 states are going to turn red, okay? And so this is going to be coming weeks leading to multi-state lawsuit which will be brought to the SCOTUS in the next few weeks, Okay. Some sort of short-term martial law is what I've been seeing in the spirit for days, and I've been praying about it, and it keeps coming back. When the elections are overturned, Trump is not going to be immediately put back into office. They're going to hold a new election because of what they find. Ooh, I shouldn't have said that. They're going to hold a new 11-3, um, which will be run by the military because the... Um, the integrity of the process will be found out to have been so corrupted that nobody will trust anybody that is in office now or was in office. Um, so it's going to be big. It's going to be a really big deal. And I, I believe personally, I believe this will happen before the 4th of July. So have hope. Hang on. Didn't realize my button wasn't buttoned. Have hope. Hang in there. Dude, it's almost over. It's almost over, and we're about to have 45 back in office, and the world is going to be blessed. And the world is going to be trembling and in terror, and you're going to see a lot of snakes coming out of the grass when the fire starts coming down, all right? So God said, um, <clears throat> a new Operation Warp Speed will come to pass, but it's not going to be for coronavirus. He said this is what he's going to call what he's doing with Trump, because Trump will have, um, he's going to do this for Trump because he lost six months of ruling as the rightful president. All right, guys, don't use the words when you share this that I'm saying, please, because they see those words and that's how they catch you. <laughs> so watch if this video disappears and I can't post anything for a month. You know why? Firesidegrace.com or facebook.com backslash firesidegrace. But I'm sick of being intimidated by the Goliaths in tech, okay? Um, new operation warp speed, six months lost rule. Okay. So I, I felt like, I felt like that was oddly specific for him to say six months. So I'm fingers crossed. I don't know. That's, that's how far I can cross my fingers. I am not like 
super flexible in my fingers and oh my toes <laughs> you don't need to know this but my toes only bend like that they don't bend all the way my wife can pick stuff up with her hand toes and i can't so can my son i cannot um, both of my sons actually and probably my third son who's on his way in about six months as well um so we're gonna see new spacecraft and new airships when trump comes back into office uh they're gonna look like things out of star trek basically like super cool you're gonna see some stuff coming from elon musk that they're not allowed to share from spacex um some things coming from nasa things coming from the military and so forth uh that stuff a lot of that technology that you're gonna see them using is stuff that has been handed down from other people and uh from who i believe are the bene Chayalim. anyway uh there's going to be new medical tech uh like he showed me that there would be biodegradable nanotech coming which would they would be able to use to send into a person to unblock an artery and stuff and then it would break down and deteriorate so that you could pass it um through urination they wouldn't have to do a blood transfusion uh i think the blood transfusion is the start and then the biodegradable comes shortly thereafter i don't know how they would make biodegradable um uh robots but who knows you know it's 2021 it's crazy things right um he said that the way that they report deaths is going to change. So the way that uh, comorbidities and, and death reportings that they've been just piling everything, calling everything COVID death because of comorbidities, um, that's going to change and it's going to be a nationwide thing and how they report deaths this is going to be more specific as to what actually caused the death. Um, and I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know anything about that. My wife was a nurse, but I don't know anything about uh any of that so don't ask me i'm just saying what i heard okay uh new tech is going to be released to offset miracles did i tell you that they were going to come out with an external pacemaker uh he showed me that it was like a ring that you put around your neck and it kind of hangs down like a necklace and it's got this little thing right here and it, it just kind of hangs there and it's it's kind of heavy and so it detects your heartbeat kind of like your your apple watch which i took off because i didn't want it to beep while i was recording right because my wife will message me um, like your Apple watch will detect your heartbeat from on top of your wrist. So it would kind of sit there and I don't know how it works, but it would sit there. And if your heart was missing a beat or going off pace, it would do something go like that. And I think maybe it, it did a little shock or something and, and made it keep going or something like that. But pretty cool. I mean, it's pretty cool. I don't know how it's going to work, but it was kind of like a, a ring came down kind of like those head, those wireless headphones come around your neck and then just kind of sit there and it, it, like it's pretty much stationary i don't know how to explain it but it was pretty cool to see um so they're going to release new technology because we're going to see by by 2023 you will see the move of god going full force by uh even starting in the this year it already started last year but it's going to continue to grow and grow and grow and you're going to see it fully manifested by 2023 and really ramped up in 2022 but really seeing come to fruition so during that process they're going to start you're going to see a lot of healing miracles signs and wonders and so what they're going to do is try and release new technology and new medicines to try and 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 uh invalidate the miracles and say well we have this this and this they must have used this they, we had this this and this and, and it did that and and so forth uh don't fall for the lies okay we need to pray i saw while i was praying a vision of an oil field in one of the Middle Eastern countries was they were going to set or there was going to be like a terrorist attack or something um, that was going to cause, <laughs> I don't know, but um, that was going to cause uh, 
fires in these, like set fire to these oil fields in order to try and drive the price of gas up. So the Lord said to tell you that so that we can pray against it so that it won't happen because it will, it would impact our economy negatively. So pray that that doesn't happen. Um, I mean, I'm, I'll be watching the news. I'm sure we'll see. I mean, I won't be watching the news, but I'm sure someone will send me a headline and well, I'll see the article that'll say a fire started, but they put it out or terrorist attack was stopped or something like that. Okay. Um, the Lord said that he is going, he has issued rebukes. You're going to see prophets. I don't know which prophets, but you're going to see certain prophets start to give rebukes to the elites and they're going to name them by name and start to say, um, what they're doing, what the Lord has said and what's going to happen. So we're going to have very specific prophecies coming out from certain prophets. Now, the Lord said the last thing here is regarding the shenanigans of 11.3. He said that they are going to find out that foreign interference by nations and Americans in foreign nations that were trying to mask what they were doing or their intentions or their attacks, we're going to find out that not only were foreign nations interfering with 11.3, but that our own American citizens and government was interfering in 11.3 as well. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be here on YouTube, guys. <laughs> so, that's all. That's all. Let me just explain that because I feel like I hear somebody in the spirit saying, what does that mean? There were Americans in other countries. You'll see this arise. This will be truth, but they'll say that it wasn't. There will be Americans in other countries that were hacking into Michigan, Arizona, Wisconsin, Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and even other other states as well, but into a minor um, that were part of a team working with foreign countries to try and overthrow the leadership in this nation. And they were very successful, but they're about to be very unsuccessful and be busted. Well, folks, that's all that I have for today. God bless you. Uh, like and subscribe to our uh, YouTube channel. Go and hit like on our Facebook page, Fireside Grace at Facebook. Um, or, and if you want to contribute, help us, bless us in ministry. We so appreciate you guys. Can't even begin to tell you how much we appreciate you guys sewing into us because um, we need it. <laughs> I mean, not like we're poor or anything, but we can't reach the people we reach if we don't have help, you know? And plus, then it shows us that you guys love us and that you feel like we're actually making a difference. And so it just keeps us moving forward. So anything that we get for Fireside Grace that's sown to Fireside Grace, it doesn't go into our home. We pay for everything out of our pocket. We pay for our website, our house, our rent, everything out of our pocket. So what you send us for Fireside Grace, now two years ago, this was not the case. We needed ministry money because we were hurting because we were going through our financial test and it was crappy, okay? <laughs> um, and it was worth it. It was worth it in the long run, but so many tears. I'll tell you that much. Um, everything that comes in for Fireside Grace, we're getting our new book published, The Character of, uh, the Character of Christ. Uh, it's all going to ministry, to our website, to hosting stuff and all this stuff. Um, and, and I got to buy a whole new wardrobe. Like I said, I only got seven shirts. <laughs> this is a new shirt. It's the first shirt I bought in, in a year and a half. So anyway, that's all, guys. Love you guys. Be blessed. And I'll see you next time in Endangering the Grave. Check you out on YouTube, Facebook. Talk to you later.